Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. Brian, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to speak with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. I'm happy to be here. Um, So for those listening, Ryan is one of the head operators of RMH Systems, which is an industrial equipment distributor. Distributor. Um, Ryan, can you explain a little bit about exactly what RMH is and exactly what you do in a little quick snippet? Because it's a little <laughs> more complicated than I think some people may be. Yeah. Know. Yeah. No. Uh, so RMH Systems, Industrial uh, Equipment and Systems Distributor, Integrator, whatever you want to call it. But essentially what we focus on is equipment systems for materials handling, packaging. Uh, scales and robotics. So if you take a uh, a manufacturer out there that has, you know, a large factory or warehouse and they are producing a product to sell to the market, we are in the background doing engineering and sales, uh, helping that uh, company put together automated equipment systems to produce their products. Um, so, you know, anything really anything in a warehouse that lifts, moves, or stores a product or uh, prepares a product for shipment um, is something that we get involved in. So we, you know, customer might call us up and say, hey, we're putting in a new production line. Uh, So we'll go sit down with the customer, do all the engineering and design behind it, source the equipment and and get it installed. Thank you. No, that's, (laughs) it's a whirlwind. Yeah. Um, when we spoke off camera before, one of the main things is one of the passions you have about running your business, you worked in the health healthcare space before coming into this. And we talked a lot on, you know, how to separate and make your business a little bit more competitive in the when it comes to hiring people, how to keep good employees, um, and all the more operating and sometimes overlooked parts of running a business. A lot of times people go into business not thinking, oh, you actually have to learn how to run it too. It's cool to do all these fun things that we're passionate about, but at the end of the day, there's systems and processes and all of those other operation facts that come into play when you get to a certain size. Um, so one of the main thing main things I wanted to ask you is when you came from the healthcare space to um, doing what you're doing now, what were some of like the cultural things that you wanted to bring over that you thought were missing from in your current company? Yeah, you know, I <clears throat> very uh, really two completely different industries, uh, being in yeah. being kind of healthcare management to what we do here. You know, this uh, our business is a family business, so it's been in my my uh, my family now for over thirty years. Uh, grandfather bought it back in 1991. And I think any small family run business, you know, you, 
at least for us, we we've been growing quickly over the last couple of decades. And I think, um, you know, maybe what you see when you come from a larger organization to a, to a smaller one like ours, uh, it's more of that operational side that, that ends up needing uh, focus. You start bringing process and structure to things. And I would say over the last 10 years or so, we've added certainly a few people to our, our middle management and leadership structure to help formalize those processes. But you, um, you know, I think what we've got really got going for us is our culture. Our, our everything that we do well is rooted in our culture here, and um, and I think that's it, one of the the key drivers to our growth over the last two decades. And so, um, you know, I guess to to answer the the direct question about well, what did we want to bring over? You know, with a few of us joining later on in the uh, RMH journey here, uh, it was it was more about process and structure to a to allow for scalable growth. And, um, and you just need some of those things in place to, to allow yourself to bring on acquisitions, to bring on key people. Yeah. Uh, Cause they want to, you know, people want to be a part of a, an organization that knows what they're doing. And, and um, I, I certainly wouldn't say we, we didn't at the time. We just, we've, we've grown, we've grown quite a bit and we've grown quickly. And uh, to be able to do what we've done over the last few years, we, we needed we needed some more structure in place. So that's what we really focused on over the last few years. But having that culture at the at the root, uh, you know, at the foundation, and everything, the strong culture and the the strong financial acumen that we have, um, you know, it really it, it, it makes the process and the structure pretty easy to to formulate and, and execute. And, and we're certainly still working on some things. I mean, it's it's certainly not something you just get in place and end because as you grow, you, you add things, you add complexities, you add customers. And, yep. and so it's a, it's an ever, ever ongoing process. Um, but no, I mean, we're to think of where we were 10 years ago to where we are now, uh, pretty amazing growth and, and really, you know, I'm, I'm honored and feel really special to be a part of it. So one of the things you mentioned there, when you talked about like that middle management, I think sometimes a lot of people overlook the head leader or the one running the business then has these middle management people look over at these other people. And it's like, you have to learn how to delegate to other people to give them more on their plate to learn and then learn how to lead more people and then grow into those things. But I think it can be hard for people to learn how to delegate, what to delegate and like, what is too much? What is too little? Like, how do you navigate that when you're bringing people on and trying to give them room to grow? Like, how do you learn that whole net delegation and growth for those middle management people? Because that's such a complicated thing, I think. Yeah, I would say, you know, one of the one of the things I found frustrating about being in a large organization was the the amount of red tape and bureaucracy involved because there were so many levels to it and approval was needed on everything and every mm -hmm. dollar and every cent was tracked. And, um, you know, to someone that has more of an a. Uh, a general leadership um, perspective or an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, having, having all the guidelines and rigidity in place can, can be a non-starter. And so, you know, the, the culture that we have at RMH systems um, and, you know, growing up from a small business to more of a mid-sized business and, um, and what have you, you know, we, our culture is one to empower our people, you know, every, every person, um, on the team, whether it's someone in admin support up to one of our middle managers or senior leaders, you know, 
feels like they have ownership of their role and the, and their functions, and they get to make decisions on behalf of the company. To us, you know, we are much better off empowering and trusting folks to make decisions um, than you know needing to provide approval on everything. And you know, the old Steve Jobs um, perspective of hire the smart people and let them tell you what to do. That's certainly something we abide by. Um, you know, my myself and my dad and uh, brother and a few of our other senior leaders certainly have our own strengths and skill sets that that have helped us grow. But we got a great team of people and a great management team and a great sales team, engineering team support. You know, all the people that are that we've put in charge of those certain areas uh, are there because they're super smart people mm -hmm. and they know what they're doing and uh, they bring ideas to the table. And they're also good at pulling ideas out of their teams. Um, a lot of our a lot of our growth has come from the um, you know just various folks on the team, and it's it's upon it's it's our responsibility to stay connected to <clears throat> all the various teams so that we can have those dialogues and 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 pull that information out of the the, uh, the folks that are in the weeds every single day. Um, and so it's. You know, I we have a very macro management style, and so we like to stay out of the weeds as a leadership <laughs> team, and and let our folks do what they do best, and and tell us what we need to, you know, how we need to adapt and evolve, and and what we need to do to better support our customers, and and we need to be there to not only engage those conversations, but actually listen and support and provide action coming out of those conversations, and so that's. That's what we look at as our main responsibility from a senior management perspective. Before I jump into the retention part, <clears throat> excuse me, you're talking about Nick, listening, giving him action, more of the macro side of things. How are you, not just the middle management, but kind of like the people just joining the organization, how do you get those employees to actually buy in, to be active in there and give those ideas and, you know, if you can do that, I'm sure the retention, they're kind of connected. Like, how do you get that buy-in and the engagement from, from the top all mm -hmm. the way down to the bottom? And you may have to distinguish if there's different strategies per what part of the company. Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, it's, on, on one hand, it's a, it's a very <laughs> complex, heavy sort of topic and subject. But on the other hand, you know, there's also part of it, it's like, it's actually, Part of it's very simple, and mm -hmm. and the simplicity to that is is um, how we you go about on a day to day basis with the team. Um, you know, making sure that you're having conversations with people, you're providing access to to myself or whomever to to have a dialogue, um, and you're you know you over time you demonstrate through your decision-making and the actions that you take, whether or not you're listening or not. And so, um, you know, we've, we've been at this now 30 years, but uh, you know, the various larger strategic decisions we've made have been um, sort of rooted in, in comments and feedback from the team. And so if, if we are, if our team is hearing from our customers that we need to add a specific product category or or maybe bring on another another skill set to our team because they want to do projects or they have needs in that sense you know and those those conversations end up coming through in our in our various you know meetings or whatever it may be yep. 
Uh, and then we end up pursuing that and, and, and acting upon that to make that yeah. uh, part of the, a part of the structure here. Well, then we're from a leadership perspective, we're demonstrating an openness to hearing the team out and acting mm-hmm. upon their suggestions. Now, not, not to say every idea that comes out is going to be, you know, put into place because not all ideas are good ideas. But, <laughs> um, you know, we, we've worked hard to, uh, you know, just create a structure and an atmosphere where that dialogue is, is uh, supported and engaged. And, uh, and I think, you know, it, there's so much that goes into a company's culture, mm-hmm. but if you have a culture where people feel empowered, supported, um, and heard, that stuff's going to happen pretty naturally. Um, and so I, I think we've just, yeah, we, we've worked hard. How are that. you getting their feedback? Are you, is it just in meetings when you're saying, Hey, the floor is open. Email you them out of the blue. Do you guys have a box there? They can put anonymous comments in. Like, what's your process there? For- I would say, um, I would say, largely over time, it's been pretty informal. Um, yeah. Everybody knows that if they've got a thought or a concern, they can walk in my door. They can walk in uh, the CEO's door uh, and and have that dialogue. Um, we are a pretty meeting light company, and that's on purpose because. If we are rigid in meetings and whatnot, you start you start bogging down productivity, and so we we try to save most of the time for project work and then having some of these informal discussions as they come up. Um, I would say that it's it's become uh, a little more structured as far as garnering feedback because you get you get a lot more people involved, and so you have to become a little more structured. We have gone from a um, you know, a, a traditional performance feedback loop set up where you're having a end of year one-on-one to making sure all of our managers are having a, a, a very consistent, whether it's weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever, yeah. uh, dialogue with each of their direct reports. And so that builds in consistency to each individual and gives them an ongoing um, you know, scheduled time where they can share their thoughts and ideas. And, 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 and a lot of stuff comes out that way. And I, I think when people know that they've got access and time committed to them, uh, it gives them time to prepare and, and think through what they, they want to and, and, and bring that stuff to the table. Um, but, uh, you know, I, we also benefit from just, we have a great team of people. And I, I think most, I'm sure most employers feel that they do, but our, our team is super smart and, and they're, um, they've always just been empowered to, to, to be at the forefront of our decision-making. So. Um, and then how are you, when they're coming up with these ideas, you said not every idea is a great idea. How do you decide that line? I'm yeah. sure it's like an open question, but is there any way that like a process you have in your head, if it checks off these boxes, you're like, I'm not sure, but it's worth a try at least. Yeah. It's, you know, it obviously varies based on the yeah. scale of the, the idea, but um, you know, the, I would say we have monthly um, strategic meetings. It's, mm-hmm. it's, we call it our monthly action plan meeting. And Typically, anything that's that would be a, a truly a new idea, or we're, we're putting in a new system, or a new process, or looking at a new strategic partner, or anything like that, or or a new a new strategic hire, 
I would come to that meeting and we'd, we'd vet that thing. We'd vet that idea out and we'd have the people involved a, a part of that and have a very thorough discussion. Um, you know, I think the, there's, there's always a few main priorities that we look at when it comes to making decision. Yeah. Number one, how will it impact the team? How is it going to impact our culture? Does it, does it evolve our culture uh, to a better place? Does it negatively or positively impact the, the team, the day-to-day operation, the, the, or the, just the general culture that we have in place. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, that's first and foremost, obviously there's a financial review of ideas and what, what are things going to cost and, yeah. and um, uh, you know, what, what's the return on, on that idea. Um, and then also, you know, does it, does it, at the end of the day, does it help, does it help our customer base? Uh, does it help us do what we do better? Uh, and is it going to lead to, to results in the field? Um and, um, you know, the good ideas can check all three of those boxes off. And, uh, you know, there's some ideas that might be costly, but they, they embrace and foster a better work environment and that can be good too. So, um, but I think at, at the end of the day, it has to, it has to improve or uphold our culture. It's got to, it's got to either make us better or make our customer base better, um, and then when we're coming to operational things, it certainly has to, it has to meet some financial criteria as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Is there anything else that you do? Cause I mean, everything that you just mentioned sounds like a, that is how you retain your employees and keep them engaged. Is there anything else you think you do there that helps with that retention of keeping them on? Yeah, I mean, employee retention is is a, a popular subject right now. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of different things go into it. I think there's also a lot of misconceptions as to what it truly means. Um, you know, employee retention is is so we've we've gone from in ten years we've gone from forty people to one hundred and forty people, and um, and th- that growth is is probably half through acquisition, half through just organic hiring, and in that time, we've we've maintained a uh, less than three percent uh, employee turnover ratio year over year, which uh, is something that we're really proud of. You know, the national average is I think over twenty five percent, and so uh, because we're able to retain key people, we're not spending time rehiring people, and uh, so it's really enabled our growth. And there's a lot of things that go into that, and I've I've already mentioned it a few times. I mean it, but it at the very core, at the very foundation, it, it is the culture you have in place. And, you know, all your teams are built by humans and humans <laughs> appreciate empathetic leaders. They appreciate kind people. They want to be a part of teams that are smart and engaging. And I, I still think that there's, you know, maybe a, a faction of business leaders out there that think kindness is weakness. Um but it's it's absolutely not. Uh, kindness is an absolute strength, especially from a management perspective. And and we've we try to be very fair and kind and empathetic uh, when we make decisions. And we certainly understand that behind every person on the team is a life behind that, and there's stuff going on, and everybody carries their baggage into work every day. And and so we we try to keep that in mind when we're when we're looking at how to how to uh, you know work with everybody. Um, you know, I think. We work very hard at maintaining really high quality physical environments in our offices. Our offices are great places to be. 
And we place an emphasis on that. Like I mentioned, access to leadership, I think is huge. You know, having those open dialogues for conversation with the team, um, making people involved in the decision-making, um, certainly being strategic and thoughtful in your, in your long-term strategic thinking to show that, you know, this company is evolving and we're growing and we're getting better and it's an engaging environment to be a part of. And, uh, um, you know, and then, and then there's certainly other little things, you know, we've, we've implemented a volunteer program, uh, so that we're giving back to our local communities. Uh, we have, um, we have a, a few, uh, employee focused, uh, events throughout the year that people love. Uh, we're, we're pretty big on, on recognition and, and recognizing, uh, power, uh, you know, good performance and, and then, of course, you know, at the end of the day, we we pay people well, and and we're we're always evaluating our benefits packages, and and that's important too. But uh, you know, we we try to make it a place where people like to be, and they they get to do challenging work, and yeah. they get to be responsible for that work and take ownership in it. You went from forty to one hundred forty, like that is really impressive to keep your churn under like in that like three percent area. I believe you said it was. When the national, I'm sure even for your industry, the national average, it's even higher than that. Like, expect, like it, it's just, it's difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so when you first started, how did you manage that change and like influence those ideas and foster the culture? Because especially when you're acquiring new people, then you have this whole new culture that's entering these people. They may have their negative negative mindsets coming in. You don't know exactly the types of people you're getting. I mean, I'm sure you do your due diligence, but how do you manage like that change and foster that kind of stuff when you're going through that sort of growth and like people coming in and all that? Yeah, I um it is a challenge. Uh, we've made a number of smaller acquisitions over over ten years, and each one brings its unique challenges to it. Uh, but I, I think at the forefront, it's communicating what the vision is. You know, it's uh, people want to know how this is going to impact them. Mm -hmm. And when you when you have a, you know, for instance, in Minneapolis, we acquired a company that brought twenty five new people to the team, and so. Uh, at the time, our company went from, uh, you know, it was like probably 55 people to, to 80 people. And so uh, it's a pretty significant increase for mm -hmm. a small business at the time. And, uh, you know, the the new folks want to know what the plan is. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> How are you going to upset the apple cart here? And and we spend a lot of time communicating that vision, connecting with each person on a one-to-one -one level over and over again and explaining, you know, our goal is to be the number one distributor in the Midwest. And this was a strategic uh, acquisition and, you know, the uh, making sure they know that we're here to stay and it's not to piece and parcel things apart. Um, but at the same time, you're doing your own investigation. You know, you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, who you, who you got on the team now and, and uh, what skill sets you have and, and who wants to, you know, who you want to be a part of the team as well. But I, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly being able to articulate the long-term vision for what's going on. Um, doubling down on accessibility for everybody, yep. making sure that you're available to everyone and, and you're able to repeat that vision on a one-on-one -on -one basis with each person, answer questions, that sort of thing. Um, 
And then, but the same, and then you're also, you're making positive change in those people's lives though. I mean, it, they're, they're joining a bigger company. So we're going to provide a better benefits package. Um, you know, most times we step into somewhere and we identify a number of areas that we can improve the physical environment and compensation structures. And when you start doing those things, people, okay, this, this group's a pretty good group to be a part of. And then, <laughs> then you connect them with other folks on the team. You know, we, we bring people together so that they can get to know people that have been with us for a long time. And, and, you know, then they're not hearing it from, you know, the top, they're hearing it across the board. And once you, once you start hearing it from peers, it becomes a much more powerful message. And if they can also articulate the vision and the path forward with this company, then, then you know that it's a consistent, uh, it's a consistent message across the board and, and it's, there's, there's truly some weight there. So um, it's creating, you know, creating multiple access channels to people so that they can, you know, they can connect. People want to, people want to be connected. They want to know what they're a part of. Um, And then if you can, if you can make incremental gains in their lives uh, by making their day-to-day better, uh, it it becomes, it becomes uh, a lot easier. Do you have a specific strategy in place to help people understand the value, the mission, and like those general things? Because sometimes companies will have it like written on the wall. But sometimes it's just words. You see it every day, and you're just like, well, whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's always what I think of too when it's written up on the wall. Uh, <laughs> we don't we don't have we don't have a typed out value system. Uh, we don't have anything up on any of our walls and any of our offices that state what our core values are, and that probably goes against traditional, whatever company, organizational leadership, yeah. whatever. Uh, but it's, we've always felt that it's something you demonstrate. It's not something you put up on a board. So, uh, you know, the people that we put in leadership positions embody that, that value structure. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, uh, we, we demonstrate it every day through our conversations yep. and our consistent messaging, you know, it's, it's, it's messaging that we uphold, you know, at our larger meetings, through our social media, through our marketing, yeah. through our performance review process, through our meeting process, it's being consistent with your approach. Um, and, and so it's, I think it's something that you demonstrate and you show through yeah. your action rather than, than anything else and, and making yeah. sure that your message is consistent uh, across all your different platforms that you're using. Um, and I think once people see it, you know, then they start to feel it and then they, they just get used to it and they know what it is. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's something we've done a good job with over time. And, and we, we rarely waver from. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's almost like if you meet anyone, if you, un, you can only fake being something for so long. Yeah. Right. Before people are going to pick up on it. So if you truly mean it, over time, people are going to pick up with that. They're going to understand mm-hmm. it and run mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, exactly. And then kind of going away from the employee side, when it comes to gain, gaining market share and kind of growing the business, what are some of the key factors there when running a business to gaining that market share? We talked a little bit about it, but. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as as it's important for 
leaders to to um, be engaged and, and listen to the the team. Uh, it's it's equally as important for the team and and leaders too to to be listening to the customer base. Um, mm-hmm. And and so we've uh, you know we over time we've developed a very strong customer base with a lot of great brands across the Midwest and, and really across the country. Uh, and we've allowed we've allowed them to to push us. You know, they, um, I think that it's a testament to our people. Uh, you know that they've been good at asking questions and being involved with their customers, uh, but then starting to pick up on some of the things that the customers are doing, or they continue to bring up as some ideas. Um, you know, we we uh, in 2019. Uh, started a robotics division because we had a lot of customers that started talking about robotics and we had sort of dabbled in robotics using um, subcontractors or whatever. Uh, but, you know, because our team was engaged and we started hearing it enough, we, we decided to start putting the business model together to have, you know, how do you, how do you do that? And, and we, uh, you know, we had an opportunity to kind of get the ball rolling and we took a flyer and we're still kind of working through it. It hasn't been perfect, but, uh, but it is the wave and it's probably the wave of the future. It's probably yeah. our, our largest growth opportunity is, is getting into to more, uh, more industrial robotics. And that's, that's part of the, the, yeah. the strategy and vision here. Um, but it's the customer base is going to help inform you as to where you need to go, especially when you work with larger companies uh, like we do. You know, I would say the other thing is we've been a pretty involved leader. We've, uh, you know, in our various industries, we've had people on leadership roles. Uh, and so we've got a good pulse on our industry mm-hmm. and, uh, and we've been involved. So we, we have a good feel for the the trends and um, where things are moving. And it's allowed us to source better strategic partners and uh, sort of be at some, at the forefront of some of the, the technology advances that have been made in our industry. Yeah. Are you, when you're talking to the consumers, is it just that they're bringing it up? Are you reaching out to them? asking him some pointed question, trying to do some industry research or just like following up, like, Hey, do you need help with this, this, or that? Or what do you like, are you ever running ideas by them as well? Or is it just, they come to you with this information and you're taking and running with it? It's, it's both. It's, it's a, that, that it's a two-way street there. We'll have, we'll have customers that are, you know, very engineering heavy and they're, they are trying, they're constantly thinking of how to build a better mousetrap. And they got, (laughs) they got people going to, uh, you know, uh, trade shows all over the country and they'll come back to us and say, Hey, we saw this. Can we look into that? And, and that'll force us to, to sharpen the pencil and, and, and figure out, you know, if it's a viable option for them, you know, but I, I think, excuse me. I think one of the, the reasons we've been um, one of the reasons we've been good over time is because we've been proactive in that approach, and we've yeah. we've been to the trade shows, and we've been keeping up to speed with our vendors and and the different potential strategic partners out there as to what we can offer the customer. Um, our 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 sales team is is really strong. They're they're uh, boots on the ground. Uh, every day, every week, and they're very familiar with what the customers are struggling with, and and what they're you know really trying to achieve. And so, we have a good, we got a, a great set of ears out there listening for new opportunities to bring ideas to the table. And I think that's from a sales perspective. I mean, we're a sales organization. 
uh, sales comes down to credibility and uh, we build credibility and trust when we're bringing ideas to the table. Uh, when you're completely reactionary, uh, you kind of, you're not bringing as much value to the table. So, um, so we've been good at that too. Yeah. It's one of those things. Whenever you see someone being more reactive, like if they're looking at robotics now, it's the whole thing. Like with us, when it comes to like the whole chat GPT and AI, mm -hmm. everyone's freaking out. It's like, if you weren't aware of this more than a month ago, there's an issue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's an issue. Right. I mean, we're supposed to be the, the, the source of information in our world, you know, yeah. like, like you are in your world, you're supposed to be the source. And so if, if customers have to bring certain, you know, if they got to keep bringing the ideas to you or prodding you to do the investigation, um, I don't know. I don't think we're doing our job then. That's, that's part of the value we bring to the table and why, you know, why we should be able to make money at what we do because we're, yeah. We're at the forefront and we're bringing ideas to the table. Besides sitting, like bringing the sales guys boots on the ground out there trying to get ideas. Do you ever reach out to your clients? Just like, Hey, we just want to ask you some questions. Are you seeing this? Like how do you ever sit down with them? And you're just trying to figure out what are some of the trends they're seeing on their end, trying to proactively get them to kind of think about things without like, do you know what? Sometimes I'll reach out to my clients and I'm just like, what are you seeing in your industry right now? just trying to poke the stick just to see if they like, if something comes up that not neither them or myself have thought of, do you ever yeah. do anything like that? Or, you know, we don't have a, a great formal structure for that. You know, yeah. the, the customer survey feedback process has been a bit of an enigma for us. We <laughs> really haven't gotten that figured out very well. I think it's kind of hard to do. You work with a lot of engineers that are very busy every day. And the last thing they want to do is fill out a survey just to sort of yeah. benefit us. But I think our sales and engineering teams do a good job at that through the ongoing just relationship. And we, yeah. we are very relationship driven. Um, our, if you sat with, you know, our entire sales team, you'd hear every single one of them say, you know, I, my customers are some of them are my good friends, you know, because we've just developed trusting relationships over a long time. and. Um, and so I think, I think we vet a lot of that out through just being present and being accessible and, and being on the floor and, and, and questioning things. And, and, uh, uh, but it's, it is part of our process to, as a customer is looking at a new expansion or a new mm -hmm. production line, let's sit at the table and let's really brainstorm this thing out. You know, you might think that this is the right way to do it, but let's ask, you know, an onslaught of questions here and get to the root of the current problems and the future goals. And, uh, you know, let us go back to the drawing board and come up with some other ideas. Um, and then we also benefit from our various trade associations that, that do some of that research for us. Yeah. Um, it, it'd be more from a general perspective rather than your individual customers, but you know, you get some of that through there too. I love that. Um, I kind of feel like I know the answer to this question. Now you kind of remind me of when I read like the books of Rockefeller and Vanderbilt, where they didn't necessarily know every single detail about what they're doing, but they put they you mentioned Steve Jobs surrounding themselves with like the smarter people and then setting up those systems and the culture. Besides, I mean, you talked about employee retention, talked about uh, really engaging and leveraging those like middle tier leaders and the, everyone above. What else do you think makes RMH stand out and different from your competitors? 
Well, I think over time, you know, we've demonstrated a consistency in being good to our team, being good to our people and being very good and fair to our customer base too. You know, we, we have not been perfect on every project by any means. Um, you know, we, we make mistakes too. And, and we, we try to be very, um, very fair when it comes to that stuff. And, um, I think over time we've demonstrated a very consistent willingness to invest in our company and our team and, uh, giving people opportunities to better their lives and, um, and also making it a really unique workplace. Uh, you know, we, our industry is a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a traditional industry, a little, you know, I would say there's parts of that have kind of that old good old boy feel, but you have, you got a lot of, uh, small businesses, a lot of boomers that that either started or bought their companies and, and are trying to figure out how to navigate to that next generation. And and we kind of have all that in place. And we've got a, a, a really strong young base of of millennials and even Gen Zers that are part of the team and and are learning how to do things and, and are preparing to you know be that next wave of experts as as the years progress. And so I think we have this really neat dynamic of of uh, seasoned, experienced people that that know what they're doing, and and a, a, a youthful new wave of people coming yeah. in, and it creates a really fun atmosphere for us. Um, you know, in everything we do with our culture and our decision making, there's emotional intelligence behind it. Not just not just your 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 uh, book intelligence or whatever. There's an emotional intelligence to it because yeah. we're very people focused, and I think that that is not always the case. And um, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's helped us from the people side of things, um, you know, and then from a business side of things, we have, we have competitors in every, every different product category we represent. Um, you know, our packaging competitors are, are different than our material handling vendors or our or competitors. But what we do is we do all that under one roof and we bring engineering behind it too. And so we have a unique niche in the marketplace where you have you got one call to make. You got one source for all this stuff. You don't have to go source it through four or five different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's a competitive advantage for us as well. Um, and certainly something we like to hang our hat on. One one final question is you mentioned you have all of these different generational people from you know the boomers to Gen Z. Are you finding it? How are you managing that? Because I've heard other people in different industries talk about they have, you know, people from Gen Z up in New York and Boston. You have someone that's on the West, let's say like in the Midwest and there, maybe a boomer. You have someone down in like the Southwest and they're in a different generation. And then you don't even have the generational differences on how they navigate work, but then like the cultural side, because just the way people act and their different um, needs and wants, depending on where they're located. Like, how do you manage that? Is there even a difference of how you are approaching each sort of group of people, I guess, is the way to word it. Yeah. I, you know, we, we have uh, <laughs> ping pong tables and avocado toast for the millennials. Uh, you know, that's how we do it. No, it's, I think that's sort of the misconception. Uh, I don't know. I'm a pretty big advocate for the, the millennial group because I am up the, 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 the higher end of the millennial group. And I think we get a bit of a bad name out there. I think every generation that's ever been has always had misconceptions of the generations that come after them. Um, 
you know, we, <clears throat> I would say that there are maybe some, some minor differences with how you approach things with the different generations, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think the, the mantra that fits well with everybody is, you know, hold me accountable to my role and, and let the results speak for themselves, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, give me, tell me what I'm supposed to do and let me go do it the best way I know fit. And if the results aren't panning out, then let's have a conversation, but really, you know, millennials and the, and the, you know, Gen Xers, boomers, whatever that, that work here, like, like autonomy, they like, they like to be empowered. So we, we give an enormous amount of autonomy to everybody we have not been rigid uh, with adopting or sticking to, you know, work from home or, mm -hmm. or you got to be in the office from nine to five. You know, we don't, <clears throat> we're just not rigid on that stuff. And and it's on our, it's on our management team to be tapped into our people and understand what makes each person tick. Um, you know, there's, I've got a, a millennial on the team that, uh, doesn't live very far from the office, but he just really likes working from home. Uh, and he does sales and he's usually out of the customer site quite a bit anyway. So, uh, you know, if that's what makes the guy tick and he's producing results, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem yeah. with it. Um, and so I, I think it's, it comes down to just, you get to know the individual because every person's different. Um, but the way that we run the business and the culture we've got in place makes it, a pretty good environment for any generation, um, you know, and you work hard to connect everybody too. So the, the younger generation gets to know the older generation and, and see how things have been done in the past and, and understand why this is such a great place to be. You know, when you have a person that's been here for 35 years, sit with a new guy and say, look, this company's great. They've treated me and my family so well over the years. Uh, you're not going to find a better place to work than right here. That is a powerful message to somebody getting started. And, and so we, we use that sort of internal equity to, and promote that amongst the younger generation. And, and then I think they, they start to see it as they, you know, they get going and, and, and watch the, the decision-making and the, and the day-to-day -day operation. So, um, but it's, it's not, it's certainly not an easy thing. And I, I think there's a lot of groups that struggle with it and, and, um, We've, we've, we've definitely been fortunate there. Oh, I love that. I think that's the kind of the perfect way to put the cherry on the top. Um, if people wanted to reach out through you, Ryan, or reach out to the company, how could they do that? Um, number of ways. I mean, we're, we're on LinkedIn. We've got a, obviously we've got a website that you can come through, mm -hmm. but people could certainly um, email me too at rhoward at rmhsystems.com. I'm happy to engage on, on any of these topics or just chat or whatever. So yeah, that'd be great. And then do you have anything that specific that you're trying to push right now? Do you have any um, cool projects that you want people to check out? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I'm guessing most people that uh, consume your content are not in the market for a an industrial equipment system. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I don't know if I can make a product plug there. Um, but I will say, you know, it's it's not an industry that most people know about. Um, you know, even growing up with you know being it in my family, I didn't have a great appreciation for it until I got formally involved. Um, 
but it uh, you know I will say it's a, the industrial sector is a great is a great space and it's a great way to make a a career uh, and a good living for your family and that that doesn't just that doesn't just end with what we do in in distribution you know I think the manufacturing sector um, is a great is a great industry for for young people to get involved and a great way to make a good living and and be challenged. Uh, and give an opportunity to grow. And I, I don't think we learn about it much in the traditional schooling world. Um, you know, going through business school, I, you know, I never really heard about the manufacturing world or, or distribution, or I know there's a, a stronger push for logistics these days, which is good too, but, um, you know, go to our website, see what we do. Uh, we, we are behind the scenes for all these great companies across the country and we get to help them, grow and, and do things faster and better and safer uh, to help get the products you guys use every day to your door in a timely manner. So, um, so yeah, check it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate your time today. Um, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you.